0: Our series is blessed and it's been my goal throughout the series to just teach you what the Bible has to say about how to be blessed because that's such an important thing in life. God's blessing makes so much difference. Never forget that God's blessing is his favor and that favor means access. In other words, doors will open up for you if you have God's blessing in your life that would not open otherwise. You know, you and I are taught by our culture that if you wanna be a success in life, either you have to open the doors or you have to kiss up to powerful people who will open them for you. But what I've watched in my life is that when God opens doors, well, the Bible says this. The Bible says that when God opens a door, nobody can close it. And when God closes a door, nobody can open it. I wanna live a life of open doors, and already we've looked at two weekends of teaching about God's blessing. Today, however, we enter into the third weekend and what I believe is the most powerful concept that you and I need to understand when it, when it comes to blessing, and it's simply this. God puts in our hands, now that's blessing, God puts in our hands what we are willing to release. And I don't mean by that that God never cares about our own situation, because when God puts things in our hands, he puts things in our hands that are for us, but he also puts things in our hands for others and for his work in which we are to give away. Every week in this series, I'm teaching you one simple statement, blessed people are blessed to bless people. Some people have the idea that God's blessing is about conspicuous consumption, and that if God blesses you, then you can just live this you know, this expensive life somehow covered by God's, God's money. Now, I'm not saying that God won't give you prosperity. I'm just saying blessed people understand that they are blessed to bless people. Here's an important principle that all of us should understand if we want to be blessed, and that is simply that God cannot do anything with a closed fist. It is human nature. In fact, we learned this uh, when we first start learning to talk. It is human nature to grasp. What's one of the first words that toddlers learn? Mine. It's mine. If it's yours, it's mine. If it's mine, it's mine. If it looks like it's mine, it's mine. If it ever was mine, it's mine. If you put it down, it's mine. I mean, there are all these rules that toddlers go by, and really, we don't change a whole lot when we turn out to be 20, 30, 40, 50. We just learn to cover it a whole lot more sophisticatedly. But God can never do anything with a closed fist. If someone's here today and you say, what I have is mine, I'll work for it, I'm not going to give it away, no one can talk to me about giving it away, then maybe you can just get on your iPhone for the rest of this message because blessing will never be part of your life. You will get what you can get, maybe you can hold on to it, maybe life won't throw circumstances at you in which you'll lose it, but at the end of the day, the only people who can be blessed are people with an open hand. First of all, we need to have an open hand so God can put something in it, and it needs to remain open so that we can continue to bless others. Now, why is is this the case? Why will God not do anything with the closed fist? He doesn't understand it. God doesn't even begin to understand the closed fist mentality because he is by nature a giver. That is seen from the creation of the world all the way throughout human history, So all God knows to do is to give. And here's why it's so important for you and me to be givers and not keepers. Because when we give, we reflect our creator. Let me read a verse to you from Ephesians chapter five where the Bible says to us, be imitators of God therefore as dearly loved children. So if I'm a giver and not a keeper, in that aspect, I am like my heavenly father. He gives. We'll see that in a verse even more clearly in just a few moments. But now here is an important key about blessing. When it comes to being blessed, there are areas of blessing in our lives. For instance, there are relationship blessings. There are opportunity blessings. There are employment blessings. There are the blessings of people being good and kind to us. There are financial blessings. We could go on and on and on. There are all kinds of areas in which we can be blessed. But it is pivotal for us to understand that you and I decide the areas where we want to be blessed. I think when I was young, I had the idea that uh, God just sort of grades us in all of our areas of giving. And there's this sort of general blessing for general obedience. You know, I I looked at some of the things that God was instructing me to do. And some of those things where I like those pretty well, they're pretty easy for me. And I might get an A in that. And then there's some areas of obedience that I can be a little rebellious in. I might get a D minus in that. So I sort of figured I would sort of average out, maybe get a C plus or C or C minus. And I figured that God would say, okay, Mark, you have sort of C plus obedience. You're going to get C plus blessing. But as I begin to unpack what the Bible says about blessing, I begin to recognize that God blesses us in the areas in which we are giving. In the book of Galatians chapter six and the seventh verse, the Bible says, you will always harvest what you plant. Well, we live in a city here in Wichita, but we live in an agricultural state We know that principle. If you plant winter wheat, you don't get milo. If you plant soybeans, you don't get sweet potatoes. We understand you will always harvest what you plant. Well, consider you have a hand. I mean mean this not literally, but in a figurative sense. You have a hand. God puts things in your hand. You have the opportunity to extend those graces to other people. God will bless us in the areas that we plant gifts in our lives. Now, let me just teach you some things about how this works. In the book of Ephesians chapter four, verse 32, scripture instructs me to be kind, to be tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. If you were to sum up that whole command in one verse, it would be the word mercy. So God is like, okay, Mark, figuratively speaking, you have a hand, and you have the opportunity to extend mercy to people. Do I always feel like forgiving? No. You know, how many times do I hear someone say, well, a person doesn't deserve for me to forgive them? Well, duh. You know, here's the thing. Forgiveness is necessary because somebody's done something wrong. So technically speaking, nobody deserves to be forgiven. And how do we say it? We say it like this. I mean, you know, we put on this sort of religious faces, like, well, I'm not ready to forgive them. God doesn't know what to do with that, because God is forgiving. And so scripture tells us, tells me, that I am to be merciful. Well, what happens when I'm merciful? In the book of Matthew, Jesus speaking, look at this. God blesses, there's a word, God blesses those who are merciful, heads up, New Spring, for they will be shown mercy. God doesn't say, Mark, if you show mercy, you will get money. God doesn't say if you show mercy, you will get employment opportunity. God says if you want to be blessed in the area of mercy, then you have to show mercy. Hey, I'm a screw up. Lord knows if anybody needs mercy, I need it. In fact, I need to start thinking today about who can I show mercy to. See, this is the thing. If we would ever grasp that God's commands are not rules to follow, even though they are rules, if we could just grasp the reality that these are opportunities to achieve blessing, we would open God's word and start looking for commands because every time we find a command, we would say, that's my chance to be blessed. Jesus said it. Those who show mercy will get mercy. Let me show you another scripture. In Ephesians 6, the Bible says, honor your father and mother. When I was a kid growing up, I thought that was the only verse in the Bible. Because that's what my dad said to me over and over and over. Uh, And then the one that says, "Obey, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. I mean, I think I'm 63 years old. and That's still on the front burner of my mind because my dad said it to me so many times. So honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long, look at the next word, life on the earth. Well, someone will say, I have a hard time honoring my father and mother because my parents weren't perfect. Well, put her there. We're all in the same boat. Our parents aren't perfect. If you have kids, you won't be perfect. But I recognize that some of you went through some really difficult things with your parents, and I'm, I'm respectful of that. But scripture tells us to honor our parents anyway. Why? Because they, humanly speaking, gave us life. And what is the promise? If we honor our parents, in other words, if we generously plant in that area of life, what does God say? That he would give us long life and things would go well with us. Now, I know that most of our kids are in kids' world. Most of our Teens are not in here today, but just in case any kid happened to come in here today, I want you to recognize that anytime your parents ask you to do something, that is your opportunity for blessing. I mean, the next time your mom says to you, clean your room, you're like, this is my opportunity. (laughs) This isn't human nature, is it? It's kind of uphill. Well, let's watch all this come together because I want to now take you to a long section of scripture that Jesus taught and all of this stuff is gonna make sense to us. This idea about you will be blessed in the area where you are generous. Listen to Jesus. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your, next word, reward, there's blessing. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And here's what we started out the message with, you will truly be acting as children of the most high. Guys, if you wanna know the, the very uh, ground zero of blessing, it is the understanding that God wants us to be like Him. When we give, when we're merciful, when we're kind, when we're respectful, when we're loving, when we're sacrificial, it's not so much the gift that we give, it is God looks down from heaven and says, oh, that's my daughter, and she's behaving like me. That's my son, and he's behaving like I behave. That's what Jesus says here. You'll be truly acting as children of the most high, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. He goes on. Do not judge others, and you won't be judged. See this blessing in the area that you want to be blessed? Do not condemn others, or it'll all come back on you. Forgive others. Forgive others. And you'll be forgiven. And now what we're going to be talking about today, give and you will receive. The problem today is we live in a culture of entitlement, which simply says, I want to receive, but I don't want to give. And and Jesus is like, that can't work. It will never work. Give and you will receive. But he doesn't stop there. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured out in your lap. This is a massive statement. The amount you give will determine, that's a great verb there, will determine the amount you get back. I love the language of Jesus here. You know, in those days, people, like I said, it was an agricultural society. So a lot of times if they were were selling grain or giving it away, they would come with a basket. But as we know here in Kansas, you know, in that basket of grain, air gets in there and the basket can look full when it's not completely full. So in order to find out how much was actually in the basket, the farmers would have to shake it and then tamp it down. And that, of course, would allow room for more. So the Bible is telling, Jesus is telling us this. Jesus is saying, when you give, you have a basket full to give, but there's room for more. So Jesus said, when you give, your gift will come back to you, which means you will never be in a deficit situation if you give to what God wants you to give to. And Jesus said, when it comes back, it won't be the same as when you gave it. It's going to be tamped down, shaken together, allowing room for more. Giving has been a part of Mary Alice's in my life since we were children and definitely been part of our life as adults. And God has blessed us. We're not rich, but God has blessed us and meets our needs. And we continue to give, and God continues to bless us. But it is interesting to me that the stories that stand out to me are stories of when we were very young and we didn't have anything and we gave in a very risky fashion, and then God stepped in to meet the need. This may sound small to you, but it's one of my favorite stories. In 1985, we came to Wichita. It's hard to believe it will be 35 years next year. And I was 28, Mary Ellis was 26. We, we really stepped out by faith to come to Kansas. We had three incomes. We went to one, and it was a challenge financially. Our old location was on South Hillside, and we lived in a parsonage across the parking lot from the church that I think was built sometime around the year 1285 A.D., But in the back of that parsonage was a little apartment. It had been originally been part of the house, but there was a walled off area with a bedroom and a little living room, and it was what we called the missions apartment. So if missionaries came through Wichita or came to our church, they would stay in that apartment. And of course, we got to be good friends with a lot of the missionaries in those days because we basically lived together. But I remember there was a young family that came to visit that first year we were here, and they had boys. Our boys were very small at the time, and we got to be close friends. While they were staying in our mission apartment, I wound up overhearing a conversation. You ever overhear something you're really not supposed to hear, but you just can't help yourself hearing it? The, the woman needed a haircut, and she said to her husband, I don't have very much money, but she said, I've heard that there are barber students here or haircutting students and they will cut your hair for like 5 or $6. And I don't know anything about ladies' haircuts, but that didn't sound like a good idea to me. So I reached into my wallet, and all I had left, all I had left was $20, a $20 bill. But just, just felt God leading me. I pulled the $20 bill out, and I gave it to her, and I said, here's where Mary Alice gets her hair. I know $20 is not very much, but it was 1985. I said, here's where Mary Alice gets her hair cut. I think this will, this will take care of it. And you know, if you're ever generous with God or generous with the poor, when you give that gift, especially if you give it in a risky way, it's like Satan will come to you and say, now that was stupid. Because like Satan is like, well, your your wallet's empty. But I had change in my pocket. And in those days, I was addicted to Diet Coke. And Quick Trip, hey, God bless Quick Trip. They had a big gulp for 49 cents. I think that's about what I had left. There was a quick trip at Harry and Hillside in those days. Went down on this little quick trip, I bought my big gulp, I was coming back to the car, and just as I was getting into the door of my car, I looked and there was some paper, green paper rolled up, looked like, almost looked like someone had rolled a cigarette. It was lying there by my car door. And I reached down to pick it up and I realized it was money. Now, I just started walking around asking people, is this your money? And they would say, no, you talk about a miracle. That's the miracle right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 You know, people getting in their cars, is this your money? People, you know, is, uh, filling up their car with gas, is this your money? No, it's not my money. I tried to give it away to everybody in the parking lot. Finally, I just decided, well, maybe somebody dropped it, so I'm going to go in and just hand it to the clerk and say, if anyone comes in and says they're missing money, you can give it to them. So I went in, the clerk said, I'm sorry, we can't take cash like that. And I stood there, and this is a, this is a fact. I stood there for a few minutes in the quick trip parking lot, still hadn't unrolled it yet, looking at it like, what do I do with this money? Now, I don't ever say that God talked to me out loud, but there are just moments where you feel like God is like, Mark, I saw what you did. Unroll it. And when I unrolled it, it was $35. Do you understand? That is what Jesus is saying. He's saying to people who will trust him, who have an open hand, not a stingy closed fist. He is saying to people who will trust him, your gift will come back, but it won't be the way you send it out. It'll come back like that money was. It'll come back shaken together and tamped down. You cannot outgive God. Today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you about financial blessings because I'm guessing that most of us could use it. Now, there are those who would say, Well, I just don't think we should talk about money in church, okay? I'm going to let my experience come out for a moment. This is my 43rd year to pastor, and I've pastored thousands and thousands of people. I really believe only stingy people say that. I've been around some real generous people. And you know what? They're they're not afraid to talk about money because they understand the principle that I just shared with you, that if you have an open hand, God will bless you to do more. I've come to believe that those who say we should never talk about money— I'm always in the presence of a stingy person because the fact of the matter is there are about 30,000 verses in the Bible and 2,000 of them, that's one out of 15, 2,000 of those verses talk about money. So clearly God is not squeamish talking about it. So today for a few moments, let's talk about financial blessing. Hey, I didn't know this was gonna happen, but last week there was an article that came out of the Barna Group. The Barna Group analyzes trends in the religious world. And from time to time, they release studies that analyze trends here in the United States in regard to religion. And there was an article just this last week about generosity. The Barna Group divided the study into two groups, givers and keepers. So one of the first things that came out of this study was the analysis of which generation, percentage-wise, in regard to giving participation, which generation was the most generous? Now, you know, if you're into sociology, you know there are basically five or so gener- generations. We have Generation Z, the mosaics. We have the millennials, We have the baby busters or Gen X. We have boomers. And then we have what we call elders or the great generation. So New Spring. Which generation of all those five generations, which generation do you think gives in regard to participation at the highest percentage? Got a guess? Let's hear it for millennials. Millennials are number one. So if you're a millennial and you're tired of being ripped, okay, millennials give. Okay, now, number two, the elders of the great generation. I am so covered with shame, I am embarrassed. It is hard for me to walk out on this stage because the generation that comes in number three is the generation with the highest disposable income. It's baby boomers. I thought we would be first, but we come in behind our kids and our parents. (laughs) That's, That's disgusting. But millennials are number one. Also in that analysis, It came out that givers are much more likely to say that faith is very important in their lives. And secondly, givers are much more likely to say that they sense God is actively involved in their daily lives. Hmm. How do you think that givers are more aware of God being active in their daily lives? That's a circular question. There's something else. It says that Christians with giving goals give a lot, and Christians with keeping goals give little or not at all. Well, with those things in mind, we have about 10 minutes left in this message. I want us to be aware that as we study the Bible and as we congeal the things that God says about giving, God wants us to be generous in two areas. The first area is with the poor or the needy or the disenfranchised any word you want to use there, but scripture is very clear that God wants us to be generous with those who are poor. Let me read some scriptures to you. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10, the Bible speaks of a poor person and it says, give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord, your God will bless you. See, a lot of times when people are reluctant to give to the poor, it's like, well, I'm gonna give to someone and that person can never respond back in kind. And God is like, look, there are people in need. You take care of them, I'll take care of you. That's really huge. Here at New Spring, we have Night of Worship next Sunday night. We're going to begin our Project Generosity offering. Last year, you guys were very generous. You gave almost a half million dollars to these local organizations that make Wichita a better place, make the world a better place, that reach out to men in need, that reach out to women in need, pregnancy crisis center, and on and on. The Bible tells us because of your generosity, God will bless you. And then this gets specific. He will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land, therefore I command you to be, New Spring, what's the next word? Open-handed. Remember, God can't do anything with a closed fist. Towards your brothers, toward the poor and needy in your land. Let's, like Emerald used to say in the old days, let's kick it up a notch. Blessed is he who has regard for the weak. Now there are about four or five promises here. The Lord delivers him in times of trouble. In other words, here's someone in trouble. We reach out to help them. God is like, when you get in trouble, I will help you. The Lord will protect him and preserve his life. He will bless him in the land and not surrender him to the desire of his foes. The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed and restore him from his bed of illness. Do Do you get that nexus that's in there? God is like, here are people in trouble. And they have people out to hurt them. But if you stand up to protect them, God is like, when people come up against you, I will help you. Here is someone who is suffering. If you reach out to alleviate their suffering, God is like, I will reach out to you when you're in your suffering. Now, I know New Spring can be a young church, but right now I want like to I talk to all of you who are parents and all of you who are grandparents because this next one is really getting my attention. The Bible talks about people who are generous with those people in need, and look at this. It says they're always generous and lend freely. Their children will be you know what I've decided I'm going to do this year in Project Generosity I may give electronically I thought about doing this if I wrote a check I thought about just putting my kids and grandkids name on the check but I give electronically so I think I'm just going to have a time we're also going to have a time of dedication and we're just going to as we make our gift to Project Generosity we're going to name all of our kids and grandkids Because here's the thing, especially those of us who are grandparents, you start looking at those precious little ones, and you're like, I may not be around to see them when they go through some of the hard times. But by the grace of God, if I am a generous person, the word of God tells me that God will bless my children and my grandchildren. May God help us to have an open hand and to see the vision that life is so much more than what we can earn. Life is big as God's promises. There is a blessing on those who will give to those who are in need. The second area of blessing that I see very clearly in the word of God is the blessing of God's work. And that is what God is doing in the world through ministry. And when I read the Bible in this area, there are three words that I always see. And those three words are place and consistency and percentage. Because every person who is a Christ follower needs to have a place. You need to have a church home because it is the place where God works and He gives the truth into your life, like you're receiving today. And it's the place that is your place of commitment. If you're not a new Springer, if you're watching online, watching on television, or if you're here and you're not a new Springer, If if, if another church is the place where God ministers to you, that church needs to be the place where you give. But first of all, and this has been from the book of Genesis on, there's always a place. Number two is consistency. Oftentimes people will give whenever there's a need, but there's not a consistent way of giving. Scripture teaches us that as we are blessed, we are to be consistently giving the reason why this is so important to Mary Alice and me, we're never going to be rich. So consequently, we're not going to have these big lump sums to give. But what I've discovered is if I will give consistently, I get paid week by week. If I give week by week, I can give so much more. I remember this guy's been long out of New Spring, so I feel comfortable telling this story. There was a guy some time back, and he had a nice job with a nice income. And so whenever... He did, from my understanding, he didn't give consistently, but whenever there was a, a big need, he he would just say, in kind of a, am, for me it felt condescending. I'll take care of that. I'll write a check for that. What I did not want to tell him, and I never did tell him, we have single mothers here who, over the period of a year, gave far more than he gave. Because consistency just allows you to do that. I, I, I remember thinking in those days, I remember stories of, that we would have of deadbeat parents. I remember there was a guy here a long, long time ago, and there was a divorce. He didn't pay child support. He didn't take care of his kids. But whenever Christmas rolled around, he would buy these extravagant, extravagant gifts, and he would come off looking like a big spender. But his wife, of course... His ex-wife was having to pay the rent, the light bill, keep the gas and heat on. You see what I'm saying? Now obviously, I wanna step forward when there's a big need, but there's something about consistent giving that allows us to give more, and it allows us to watch as God allows us to be blessed and still we give and God blesses us even more. Now in scripture, there is a word for this kind of consistent giving, And that word is tithe. And from the beginning of God's people all the way until today, God's people have responded by giving a percentage. That's the third word, a percentage of what God has blessed them with. The tithe is the tenth. In Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, the Bible says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there will be enough food in my house. In other words, there will be enough supply for God's work. But God says, if you do, the Lord of heaven's armies will open the windows of heaven for you, and I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. And then God knew this would be difficult, and he said something that he almost never says. Because usually when God tells us to obey, he just says obey. But God says, try it. Try it. And then he comes back with, put me to the test. And see if I will not open the windows of heaven. Now, I have a lot of friends who don't believe that tithing is for today, and they will say tithing goes back to the Levitical law. They don't know their Bibles very well because tithing goes back long before the Levitical law, long before there was a nation of Israel. We read about Abraham bringing his tithes to a priest called Melchizedek. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible tells us that Jesus is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Well, I... As you guys know, if you're at New Springers, I I rarely talk about this. Probably let you down in not talking enough about it. I can just tell you how Mary Allison and I feel. We have believed through the years that the 10th belongs to God. We never say we give a tithe. We always say we bring the tithe because the tithe already belongs to the Lord. Giving starts with the 10th. But we have watched as God has blessed us in this area. But let me just go somewhere with this. You could be listening to me today and you say, Mark, giving a tenth of my income or bringing a tenth of my income just seems like jumping over Mount Everest today. I get that. So let me offer you a challenge. For all of us here today who are Christ followers and you're New Springers, and if you're not a New Springer, please don't feel any pressure. But for all of us here who are New Springers, let me challenge you to do something. Ask yourself what percentage could you be faithful in? I don't think there's a new springer here who couldn't be faithful with 1% or 2% or 3 So you say, Mark, just 10% seems impossible. Okay, don't get out in front of your headlights. What percentage would you, by faith, say, God, I will honor you? Now, here's what I'm going to challenge you to do because ultimately, I really do believe in tithing. But make God a promise and say, God, by faith, I'm going to bring this percentage of my income. I will do it week by week or month by month or however you get paid. And then, God, as you bless me, now here's where you're going to have to keep your word. As you bless me, I will increase. I'll go from 1% to 2%. I'll go from 3% to 5%. Because if it's your heart, if it's not your heart, don't even just blow this whole thing off. But if it's your heart to do this, I believe that God will honor your faith. Faith is what it's all about anyway. God is not a charity case looking for donors. He's an entrepreneur looking for partners. And he's looking for faith. Well, let me just read this and I'll be finished. The Bible says in regard to giving to his work, whoever sows sparingly, by the way, the word is stingily there, In the Greek, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. That's why we never pressure at New Spring. For God loves a cheerful giver. But look at this and God is able to make all grace abound to you. Now, I'll tell you why this is really important to Mary Alice and me. I'm thankful for financial grace, but I need all kinds of grace. I need health grace. We need relationship grace. We need God to open doors that we can't open. The Bible is like, if we are faithful in this area of finances, God is like, he's able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll be able to abound in every good work. Blessed people are blessed to bless people. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. That's more finances to give away. And will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. In other words, the more you give, the more rewards that you're going to have in heaven, the more lives you're going to change. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Well, as I finish this message, experience comes into play. I've been pastoring for 43 years. I've been preaching since I was 16, and I was born at night, but not last night. So I know that there are going to be those who hear this message and it's like, boy, I wish I'd known what Mark was going to talk about. I would just stayed in bed this morning. (laughs) And you kind of have that closed fist thing going on. and it's like you're sitting out there and it's like, "Oh, well, I hope my wife is not buying into this today." Because life has taught me that women are almost always more generous than men. So, there's some guys out here today is like, "Boy, wish I hadn't come today." There's a story of a man who took his kids to McDonald's and his little eight-year-old girl, he had bought her one of those big things of fries because she loved McDonald's fries. I know they're horrible for you, but don't they smell wonderful? <laughs> Some of you are going to go to McDonald's when this service is over because now it's the power of suggestion. But I mean, he bought her one of those big things of fries. And as he sat across from her and they talked, he got hungry for a fry, so he started to reach over and get one of her fries, but she pushed his hand away and said, no, they're mine. He said instantly it was clear to him that his daughter did not understand three material facts. The first thing she didn't understand, was well, he bought her those fries. He paid for those fries. The second thing that she didn't understand was that he was bigger than she was. And if he wanted to, he could take those fries away from her. And he said the third thing she didn't understand was I could get into my wallet and get my credit card and go back there and order dozens of packs of big fries and he could bury that whole table in fries. If anybody's sitting out there with a closed fist today, I want to leave you with those three lessons from an eight-year-old girl is number one, God gave you those fries. He's a very very big God. If he wants to, snuff out your light and take all your fries. But if, if he wanted to, he could bury you in blessings. May God help us to get the vision that God is not a charity case looking for donors. He's an entrepreneur looking for partners. And no matter how you give, whether it's to the poor or to his work, you can never outgive God because the whole point is God wants you to be like him. Thank you for being here. God bless. See you next weekend. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services.